Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. Believe it, receive it, God will perform it today. Listen, we don't have a house full in the church, but I can just imagine there in your home, you got to be feeling the spirit of God right now. And even in your home, you can praise him and lift up his name in praise. I love what the word of God says when it says that, The Lord is strong and mighty. I love it because the psalmist says it this way. Who is the king of glory? (laughs) The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. And so that's why the death boss can sing the song. Believe it. Receive it. God's going to perform it. And he's going to perform it today. How about claiming that blessing, beloved? Well, I want to claim that blessing. I want to let you know that as we are worshiping here today, my heart is filled. The Spirit of God is in this place. He has lifted us up very, very high. I'm humbled. I'm humbled and I am honored that uh, our great Pastor Snell has entrusted me with the duties of mounting his pulpit and sharing a message from the Word of God. Uh, to his congregation and the online community. Now, permit me to say to our worshipers and our visitors, thank you. Thank you for your faithful support by joining us weekly. Thank you for sharing with others as often we would hear uh, Dr. Anthony uh, share with us, uh, being digital disciples, uh, uh, Android apostles, if you will. I don't think I got that thing quite down yet, but I got those two points out. So maybe the next time that I preach, I'll get all three. But nonetheless, nonetheless, we are thankful for that opportunity. And of course, we want to thank you for encouraging us by liking and subscribing, as well as giving of your financial resources to further the advancement of the gospel locally and globally. Above all else, we want to thank you for praying for us. We thank you for everything you do in kingdom building. Well, beloved, we just have a few moments. And with these moments uh, that we have, we want to spend some time uh, together just allowing the word and God to speak to us from his word. But as it has been our custom and as we have prayed a little earlier, it is time for us to pray again. We want to ask God's special anointing on the word of God today. So we want to invite you right there in your homes, right there on your devices to just join us, pause with us as we commune with our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our God and our Father, Lord, we thank you for the worship experience that we have been engaged and that we are enjoying. And now, Lord, as we've come uh, to this sacred hour, the time of the spoken word, we now, Lord, want to step back and allow you to step forward. Speak to us as only you can. Lord, we pray that you will make your word come alive to your people this day. Bless your manservant. Lord, I humble myself before you. Bless your people as their hearts and ears now await to hear a word from the Lord. 
Bless us, we pray, to this end, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, beloved, I want you to turn, if you will, in your Bibles, your digital devices. I got to remember, it is the year 2021. <laughs> digital devices to the 15th chapter of Luke's gospel. The 15th chapter of Luke's gospel, it's pregnant with meaning. We're going to look at or read before you verses 11 through 17. In fact, in your own time, I'm going to share with you God's word. But in your time, I want you to review that which we would have shared with you today. And I want you to read verses 11 through 24. In fact, do yourself a favor. Read the entire chapter of Luke chapter 15. But just for our time together, let me share with you verses 11 through 17. And this is what the word of God says. And it says, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And the father divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there, in that far country, wasted his substance on riotous living. And when he had spent all, then arose a, a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want, in need. He's impoverished at this time. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him. The citizens sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him anything. Verse 17. And when he came to himself. When he came to Himself, He said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger when he came to himself. Just for the next little while, we want to deal with the subject of great controversy. Time to come home. This entire chapter... Chapter 15 is pregnant with meaning. There's the obvious and then there's the obscure. Let's begin first of all with the obvious. The obvious is what most people can see with just a quick cursory glance. Uh, the individual who simply picks up the word of God and begins to read and glance over a few uh, verses and chapters. And that which he sees or she sees, uh, that, that's the quick glancery view. There is the obvious, that which is right before us, that which we see quite readily. Three different stories are in this chapter, chapter 15. We see that. That's clear. That's the obvious. There is one story, the story of the lost sheep. Then there's another story, the story of lost money. 
Oh, I think I'm talking to somebody already. Anybody can identify with lost money. And then there is the lost person. Three stories. Obvious. You see it. It's right there in the chapter, chapter 15 of the book of Luke. Then there's a movement of the three stories. But it instills the obvious once again. As we see a shift, we see the movement, but it's still obvious. Obvious because now we begin to see the value of the things that are mentioned in the story. The objects in discussion increase in value. From a lost sheep, which is of value, it's valuable, to lost money, which is without question more valuable, to a lost person who is of the most value. Likewise, there's the obvious answer to the question as to why Jesus tells us three stories. The text tells us why. The religious leaders in verse 1 accused Jesus of associating with the outcast. Accused Jesus of associating with the underbelly of society. They accused Jesus of associating with sinners. So Jesus gives them an answer to their accusation. And Jesus' answer is found in verse 7, where he says, There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. See, we have the obvious, and then we have the obscure. See, the obvious meaning is heaven is happy to welcome you home. That's the obvious. The obscure is that there's a war going on for your soul. That's the obscure. The obvious, the obvious meaning there that heaven rejoices when you give your life to Jesus Christ. The obscure is that Satan adamantly is not letting you go without a fight. There is the obvious. <laughs> Yet there is also the obscure. The obvious and then the obscure. The obscure is there is a battle going on. That battle is going on right here on planet Earth. Earth is the theater for the entire universe. Sin only exists here on planet Earth. And all the universe is watching. The great controversy and the spiritual battle for your soul and for my soul. This battle for this life of, for the life of every human being is known as the great controversy. Hence the title of our message for today, the great controversy. The doctrine of the great controversy belief is covertly embedded throughout the entire Bible. It's there, but oftentimes we overlook it and don't see it. It's there, and to most of us, 
It is obscure, but it's there from Genesis to Revelation. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Even at the beginning of time with Adam and Eve, we see this great controversy taking place. As Jesus, as God makes a pronouncement and shares with Adam and Eve after they have sinned and said that the serpent shall bruise the heel. This is Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. That the serpent shall bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. This dear woman, this dear couple, Adam and Eve, after their sin, there is a promise that God makes that somewhere down the genealogical line, there's going to be one of your descendants who's going to rise. And what's going to happen is that the serpent will bruise his heel but I got good news for you he's gonna snap back and he's gonna crush his head that's Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 and that message sometimes goes over our heads it seems obscure <laughs> but it's there oh and then we continue to go through the Bible and because of the interest of time, I can't go through every verse and every chapter, but I will take you to Isaiah chapter 7 and Isaiah where it says unto us, a son is born. I love that. I love that. And it's particularly whenever we, you hear anybody talk about that, you already know the time of season. It's somewhere around Christmas where they talk about unto us. A son is born. But today is commercialized. But in the word of God, it was perfective, pro prophetic. And it was describing this great controversy. Unto us, a son. Uh, unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And, and, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. What does it mean when you call him Emmanuel? What it means is that God leaves heaven. He comes to earth. He robes himself in humanity. And it's God with us. Ah, it was predicted in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Isaiah picks up this thing thousands of years later and says that what he said in Genesis is true. It's going to come to pass. And when he comes to pass, God is going to dwell among us. And then, since I gave you a passage at the beginning, and then I gave you a passage in the middle, let me give you a passage at the end of the Bible. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11, the word of God says, there's a rider on the white horse. <laughs> As that rider on the white horse is mounting his troop, he is surrounded by armies of angels and they flank him to the right and they like him to the left and there's a parade of angels. And what are those angels doing? And what is the one the rider on the right horse doing? He is announcing that the end of the, that the struggle is over. He is on his way from glory to earth to take his treasure home no longer a great controversy no longer a battle oh yes in Genesis it talks about this great controversy that started that is continuing on but in the book of Revelation it talks about the struggle is over but here's the thing beloved why we're gonna take the next little while to spend some time sharing with you is because the struggle continues it began but it's not over and it continues. 
Yes, yes, yes. When we look at the word of God, the word of God helps us to understand that every page of the Bible deals with this great controversy from every corner of the New Testament to every document in the Old Testament. We see this great controversy with Adam and Eve and with Cain and Abel, with Noah and the flood and with Abraham and Sarah and with Samson and Delilah, with Jacob and Esau, with Moses and Bathsheba, with Jesus and Judas and with Stephen and Saul and with Paul and Herod and with you and with me today. The controversy continues the great controversy over every soul is being played out today every time the church doors open the great controversy is being played out every time a religious meeting convenes the great controversy is being played out every time a Bible study is given the great controversy is being played out every time a preacher mounts the pulpit and makes an appeal to the listening audience the great controversy is being played out the great controversy is being played out in the story that we read here in the book of Luke chapter 15 it's played out in a son who wants to get his inheritance and he's ready to leave home the story is well known around the world and that's why it's known as the story of the prodigal son it was a civil custom back at that time back in that day that the younger of the two sons would inherit one-third of the parents estate or property however however it's an insult I say it's an insult it's an insult to demand your inheritance while your father is still alive what insolence this young man as he comes before his father and demands I want my inheritance and I want it now Yet the son, the son, the son, can you imagine the insolence? He disregards the ethics, he disregards a chivalry, and he disregards protocol. And he goes to his father and he says, Dad, you know I'm sick and tired of living here in this country. I'm sick and tired of all the discipline I'm sick and tired of all the hard work I'm sick and tired of being shut in and shut out from the real world I'm I'm, I'm 18 now I'm I'm, I'm old enough uh, I'm of age and I I would like to have my inheritance now I want to go to New York I, I want to go to the big city and I want to and I've read about the big city and I learned about the big city and I seen heard about the big lights and I'm Fascinated about the fast women and the beautiful cars and I've heard all about different things that happen in the big city it's time for me to go dad his father his father very wealthy man and he tries to talk his son out of leaving home but his son is persistent and he continues and he says dad I'm sick and I'm sick and tired and and I've been on this farm a long time and I'm sick and tired of being under your authority and I'm sick and tired of the, and I'm ready to go into the big city I'm ready to give up uh, I'm ready to go on and, and to move out on my own reluctantly reluctantly the father says son I don't advise it I don't think it's a good idea but you're determined to go go ahead so the son wants to get out and he wants to get out on his own and he gets all that he can get and he wanted to go as far away from his father 
as in his home and his parents as possible. I don't wonder, I wonder if we have any prodigals today who's just ready. It's time. It's time to go. It's time to go. Wherever I go, I need to get away from here. One of the things that's important for me to share with you at this time, beloved, and that's this. And I want someone to put it on the screen. And it is God gives us freedom to choose our own way regardless of the outcome. See, 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 we're talking about the great controversy. What makes it a controversy? What makes it a controversy is the very fact that I can choose to do or not to do. I can choose to be righteous or to be unrighteous. That's what, and that creates conflict and it creates tension and it creates controversy. But you know what? See, the father... The father shows respect uh, to his son's freedom of choice and his freedom to be able to make up his mind. And so I want you to understand, my friends, it is difficult as a parent to watch your children crash. We've been 18 before. And, and, and so when we see that they're marching toward that time, you're trying to do everything in your power. But, but, but you've got to respect freedom of choice and freedom of will. And what we discover in this story is that this father respects freedom of will. Oh, but there's a higher story. There's a greater story. And in that greater story, we find that there's a God of the universe who provided all of us freedom of choice and freedom of will. And he respects it regardless of the outcome. So the son's desire for adventure, the son's desire to explore the world. Please understand, it's appropriate and it's right for him to want to, to be able to move on. This young man, he came from an affluent home. I mean, they had a great deal of love. They had a great deal of money. They had discipline. They had faith. They believed in God. He came from a great home. Can you imagine what must have happened in this exchange between the son and the father? I can imagine this father gathered the family together every day for prayer and for worship and Bible reading. But I can only imagine in the mind and the recesses of this boy's head that he just wanted. He said, hey, I'm just looking for the day that I can eventually go out on my own. I, I don't want to read the Bible. I'm not interested in the things of God. Can you imagine this son growing up in this Christian home where he had to go to church? Thus, he would say to himself, not out loud, but just murmur to himself, I don't want to go to church and I can't wait until I can get out on my own and be able to do my own thing. That's what's going on when we look at this story of this boy who had it all but wanted more. So the son rebels against his daddy and, he re and his rebellion becomes a way of life for him. The son has a desire to adventure and to explore the world, which is appropriate. So let me be clear. So let me be clear. Now, it is perfectly normal for a young person to pull away from his parents when he gets a certain age. This is what the word of God says. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his own wife. Uh, but uh, in this story, this young man is in his teens. This young man is not married. And the reason he wants to leave is because he doesn't like discipline at home. Oh, I know. I said something. And fast-talking Al has just slowed down so that nobody would miss it. He 
wanted to go out and have a good time. He, he didn't want to go out and get a job. I mean, if he wanted to do that, that would have been a good thing. But what he wanted, he wanted the benefits, but without the responsibilities. He didn't want to go to school anymore. He didn't want to get up at 5 a.m. and milk the cows on the farm anymore. He didn't want, uh, and, and want to go and feed the chickens anymore. He believed it was his time to leave home and go out and have a good time. He just wanted to please himself. It was all about me, myself, and I. See, this story, the story of this young man who had it all, everything that anyone could ever imagine, loving parents, shelter, a roof over his head, security and safety, food in abundance. Yes, the spirit, yet the spirit of discontent and ingratitude took root in him. Thus, the one who had it all wanted more. See, the father in this passage is a human example of our heavenly father. Since God is the creator of everything and everyone, everything and everyone belongs to him. From celestial beings, angels, who live in heaven, to terrestrial beings, humans, who live on earth. Everything and everybody belongs to him. So because everybody belongs to God, God calls everything that he created, all of the celestial beings and all of the terrestrial beings, he calls them his children. Angels are God's children. Humans are God's children. The God who created everything and everybody Created everything and everybody flawless, perfect, unmarred, untainted. And he gave both angels and humans the power of intelligence, free will, the freedom to be able to think, to understand, to comprehend, to choose, to decide, to be creative. He gave that power to angels and humans. Unlike Henry Ford, who invented the first assembly line that mass-produced automobiles and made automobiles available to middle-class citizens, he said, you can have any color you want as long as it's black. God gives us free will. We can choose. Most people are shocked to discover that discontent and war didn't first break out on the earth. War, discontent, conflict first began in heaven. I want to take you to the screen. The Bible reveals the shocking truth in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 through 9. This is what the word of God says. And it says, and there was war in heaven. I know I got to pause. And for those who are viewing us for the very first time, that catches you off guard. I must confess, when I saw this for the first time, it caught me off guard. It says, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and, the, and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there place 
found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. And he was cast out in the earth and his angels were cast out with him. What a strange thought. I mean, the beautiful place like heaven having to go through an ugly war. I mean, it's all in prophetic language. We find it here in the Word of God. Uh, the Bible uh, tells us that Michael fought against the dragon and that they both had their armies of angels. And what an epic picture we have before us. Usually, when we think of heaven, when we think of heaven, it's portrayed as a place with streets of gold. When we think of heaven, it's portrayed as a place where there's just eternal bliss and happiness. When we think of heaven, it's a place... We don't think of dragons and we don't think of evil angels trying to attack their creator. We don't think of that. How could something like this happen? And as uh, they say on Eyewitness News, you saw it here first and we're going to tell you <laughs> how that thing happened. How war started in heaven. See, so where evil comes from, and people may ask that question, when God gave angels and humans the power of free will to choose and to decide, God did not take away the ability to doubt, to question, nor to refuse or to reject. Because of the gift of intellect and the gift of being free will, we likewise possess the power to turn against and reject our creator. But you see, it's God's desire by giving us free will, by giving us the power uh, to, to choose. And when we think about all that he's done for us, it ought, to give, it ought to create within us a spirit of gratitude. But that spirit, rather than nurturing the spirit of gratitude, sometimes we nurture a spirit of ingratitude. Let me show you what the Word of God says. I'm taking you to two more texts, and then we're going to keep on going with this message. And that is, let's read the story that, as it is found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14, and verse 12 through 14. And here's what the Word of God says. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, who did, which did weaken the nation? For thou hast said, and here it is, it's telling us how. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the Lord. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. I heard somebody say, uh, Doc Snell, that uh, there's no I in team. But you know what? Somebody else came back with the answer and said, but there's an I in win. <laughs> somehow, this creature, this beautiful creature, majestic creature that God had made, somehow said that he said, hey, listen, there's no one like me. And as great as I am, I need to, I need to mount my, uh, my authority above the authority of God. Let's take you to one more text. It's found in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel. I know I'm taking you to texts that you don't often use. Isn't that something? So we're helping you to be really biblically literate. How about, literate? How about that? Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 through 15. It says, Son of man, take up a lamentation unto the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sons of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. God says that when he made his creation, it was perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious was stone was thy covering, and sardis, and topaz, and the diamond, and the beryl, and the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, and the emerald, and the carbuncle, gold, workmanship of thy tabrets, of, and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. 
Thou art an anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou hast, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. Thine heart was lifted up because of your beauty. God tells us right here in the word of God what happened to him. Oh, and what happens to us. Lifted up because of your beauty. All that I had given you, rather than you giving praise to me, you began to take self-glory. And thus, and thus thou hast corrupted your wisdom and corrupted your reason and your brightness. And I, therefore I cast you down to the ground and you lay there before kings. Believe it or not, believe it or not, my friends, this is a description of the devil the way he was. And I say it that way because God created Lucifer and it was because of the... He had the beautiful appearance on the exterior, but because he allowed the interior to become converted and perverted, his name was changed to the character that he developed, and that is Satan. Notice in the word of God, it says that he was called the day star, the morning star. He was absolute in his perfection. He was the pinnacle of God's creative power. Lucifer was an incredibly, I'm saying something now, and I don't want you to miss this. That's why I'm, I'm taking a moment to say this. Lucifer was an incredibly beautiful creature, which is different than how he is portrayed now. See, this is part of the enemy's greatest deception. He doesn't want you to know that he was created a beautiful creature. He wants you to think that he is a red dragon carrying a pitchfork. He wants you to think that he is some monster. So when you're looking for a monster, then you would run away. But when he comes to you and he is tall, dark, and handsome, when he comes to you and he's 36, 24, 36, when he comes to you, you have no recollection, no understanding that it is the enemy who has transformed himself and has deceived you and has led you astray. It doesn't take long, doesn't take long to figure out what kind of sin developed in this person, Lucifer, the person who's the most beautiful angel. The person who's the most powerful angel, stay with me now, the person who's the most talented angel, question came up in his mind. I'm not just an angel. <laughs> I'm greater. So he opened the door and began to dwell on the spirit of discontent and ingratitude toward his creator. He undermined the authority of God. Spread the word. God's not fair. Lie on the character of God. And once that seed had been nurtured, it blossomed into undermining and disrespecting and showing disrespect to the creator, his maker. Lucifer, an angel, and his angel followers were the first creatures to use their power of intellect to choose to go against and disrespect their creator. Sin in the form of pride. 
had weakened our, our judgment. So we go back to Revelation. I'm going to keep an eye on this time, by the way. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 through 9, it says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. And the dragon was cast out, that old serpent. So now we see the deeper application to our passage in Luke, the story of the lost boy. Now we see the great controversy as it unfolds. The lost boy welcomed a spirit of discontent and dissatisfaction toward his father that was undeserved. Likewise, Lucifer and the fallen angels tasted the bitter fruit of pride and discontent against their creator. Thus, the one who had it all wanted more. So someone may ask and say, hey, why so much crime in anarchy? There was a time when automobiles were built with a device called a governor. Now, the purpose of this governor, the governor is an electronic device that's placed on a vehicle by the car manufacturer. It places a limit on the car's image. You can't go beyond 100 miles per hour. So someone said, well, why didn't God place a governor on Lucifer? But then that would restrict his freedom of choice, his power to choose. What kind of God do we serve, a wonderful God who says, I want your love to be mutual. I want your love to be free-flowing. I want you to love me and to care about me. Let me say this, beloved. Let me say this as it pains my heart. The power of choice includes the power to make evil choices. Recently, we saw the rare appearance of justice in the trial and conviction of Derek Chauvin, who used the power of choice to disregard the sanctity of human life by placing his knee on the neck of George Floyd, a fellow human being. And as the whole world watched in horror for nine minutes and 29 seconds, as George Floyd's precious life was squeezed out of his body, the power of wrong choices is seen in the senseless crimes against humanity, such as the mass shooting in Indianapolis at the FedEx building, such as the gunman killing 10 people, including police officer at, the, at Boulder, Boulder, Colorado grocery store, random shooting at shopping malls, and people, uh, 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 eight people, including six women of Asian descent, were killed in Atlanta at the area spa at Makia Bryant, 16-year-old girl, shot dead by law enforcement officers in Chicago police fatally shooting Adam Toledo, 13-year-old. We often see the beautiful gift of intelligence and the power of choice can be, perver can be perverted by choosing to perform evil deeds as opposed to spreading cheer and goodwill to all humanity. Lucifer wanted God's authority and power, but he didn't want God's character 
and love. I know my time's getting away from me, but let me share with you that Satan, who led one-third of the angels into sin, now persuades billions of humans to sin against their creator. That's the great controversy. Having been kicked out of heaven, bit on destruction, Lucifer now calls Satan because his character has been perverted, came to earth, spread rebellion. The same gift of freedom of choice given to angels, also given to Adam and Eve. And just like God desires mutual love from the angel, God desires mutual love from Humanity. Love is not love unless you choose to love. And so in the Garden of Eden, the tree of good and evil, Satan stirred the spirit of discontent in Eve. She believed the tempter when he said, you shall be like God. And what Satan wanted for himself, he suggested and suggested that desire within Eve. And Eve, using the gift of intelligence and the power of choice, decided to believe the tempter, tempter's word and doubt God's word. And believing the serpent word over the creator's word was an epic betrayal. And the seed of controversy began that had begun in heaven now had taken root on planet earth. So the effects of the struggle between Satan became apparent as sin distorted the image of God in humanity. So now we have Cain murders his brother Abel. We have wickedness multiplies and God sends a flood. And after the flood, the inhabitants build a tower of Babel and God makes a covenant with Abraham, but they constantly going back and forth. The story of Job reveals something to us that this cosmic conflict between Christ and Satan, Satan tortures Job by destroying his wealth, by destroying his family, by destroying his health. But through all these troubles, the story reveals God is with us and he never, never, ever leaves us or forsakes us. Just in the last few moments, can I, can I share with you that in Christ in the wilderness shows, how to, shows us how to defeat Satan. We're in this controversy and the enemy who was able to persuade one third of the angels to follow him is persuading and uh, convincing and leading billions of humanity, of, of, of humanity, of the inhabitants of this earth. But, but, but we can find out how, from God's word, how we can defeat uh, Satan. And here it is, beloved. God loves us so much that he came to rescue us. And so God put on human flesh and he took on our weakness and he made the most of the daring rescue ever recorded. Greater than entering a building engulfed in flames. Greater than rescuing us out of a turbulent storm in a watery grave. The great God of heaven left heaven, came to earth, put on humanity's clothing, and he came to live and to dwell among us. It's the ultimate display of God's love was Emmanuel, God with us. So trading, so that now that Jesus is here on the earth in the form of a babe, Satan tries to do everything that he can, and he uses Herod to try to kill the baby Jesus. Oh, but baby Jesus defeated Satan. So it's in the wilderness. After Christ's baptism and his anointing, having tasted, having fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Satan, who was powerless against baby Jesus, sought to trick adult Jesus into abort his mission by showing Jesus the path 
he had chosen was humanly impossible. You can't pull this off, Jesus. And so he takes advantage or tries to take advantage of the master while he's there. He has fasted 40 days. So Satan says, okay, he's got to be delirious. He hasn't eaten in 40 days. His lips are parched from lack of water. His uh, stomach is famished from not eating in 40 days. So tra Satan tries to cause Christ to doubt the validity of what the father had said to him when he was baptized. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Ah, oh, why did I take you there? Why did I share that with you? Well, friends of mine, for each temptation that the devil hurled at our Lord, the Lord answered in return, it is written. The Lord says, the, the Lord thy God, him only shall thou serve. The Lord thy God, trust his word. So the answer, the antidote for us today to be able to defeat the enemy of righteousness is thus saith the Lord. We can trust him. We can believe him. We can put our confidence in him. Not only did our Lord show us how we can get the victory, he did claim the victory for us on the cross. You know, as a child growing up in the 60s, I saw a lot of black and white movies. I say that because, of course, today everything is 4K, 8K, it's HD. <laughs> in fact, it's not only HD, it's UHD. <laughs> this thing is high definition. But back in the time, and I must confess, I know I'm looking kind of young, but the truth of the matter is I, was, I grew up in the 60s. Well, of course, you know, we can all convince ourselves, can't we? <laughs> but, but, but as a child growing up in the 60s, in black and white, I used to love the Western movies. Oh, man, they were my favorites. I mean, don't judge me. I love how my pastor always says it. Don't judge me. So don't judge me. I love the Western movie. I mean, the very fact of, of the shoot 'em up and all that kind of thing. I did like it. I have to confess. So, so, but, but I love the gun-slinging Matt Dillon of Gunsmoke. And I, and I love Chuck Connors and Rifle Man. These were some bad boys. I just got to confess. And I suppose, I suppose, if I had to choose my favorite Western, it would have to be Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. Tombstone. I love that movie. However, however, in this spiritual conflict, while Satan unloads a barrage of evil weapons and spews treachery and venomous hate, Christ offers mercy and forgiveness and love. The showdown between Christ and Satan was not at the OK Corral. The showdown between Christ and Satan was not at Death Valley. But it was on a hill called Calvary. See, this was Satan's last opportunity to cause Christ to abort his mission of salvation for humanity. Satan used religious leaders who were steeped in jealousy to turn against Christ. Satan placed fear in the disciples who deserted him in his time of need. Satan used Peter to deny him and used Judas to betray him. And his nearest and his dearest friends were nowhere to be found. The realization can have a profound effect upon one's mental state to know nobody's there for me. Jesus is arrested and he experiences a mock trial and he's falsely condemned to death by crucifixion. Yet, in absolute obedience to his Father's will, Jesus remains faithful until death.
Oh, I love how Isaiah tells it. It says, who can... Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we shall desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him he is despised and we esteemed him not surely surely the writer says he's borne our grief and he's carried our sorrow yet we did esteem him stricken smitten and afflicted by god but he was wounded for our transgression he was bruised for our iniquity the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are here. Oh, 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 we like sheep are, have gone astray and we've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're right there, beloved, in the midst of this great controversy. And in these last minute and a half that I have, I want to just share with you. Christ calls his earthly children back home. It's time to come home. See, as we return to the parable, this fella had a lot of money, went off to town and got a lot of friends around him. The devil doesn't tell you that he's got you on a hook. He doesn't tell you that. The Bible says, be sure that your sins will find you out. The pleasure of sin lasts for a sin. See, the devil doesn't tell you that uh, you'll have a good time for a short time. You'll see, you see, uh, for a short time, you'll have a good time, but it's always short. It disappears. It becomes empty. You become disillusioned. Then you become dischanced. See, the young man had found some friends that were very happy to be his friends because he had money to spend. He took them to see the latest and the greatest movies. I'm sure he went to all the marvels. I don't know. He, he took, them to, 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 took them to the best restaurants and he took them to the best nightclubs. Thus, thus he had a marvelous experience for a short time. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin, but it's for a short time. So he started doing all the things that uh, he had seen on television and that he had seen others do. And, uh, and I can only imagine that he started to take a few sips of alcohol. And it wasn't long before he had to have a little for breakfast and he had to have a little bit for lunch just to get him through the, the day. He began, he began, if you will, to fool around with a girl and perhaps perhaps it wasn't long that he got himself into trouble there that he had to move on the other side of town I want you to know my friends that the pleasure of sin is just for a season just for a little while you see the devil what he does what he does he just baits us and he and he puts us he puts his hook out there and he wants to try to reel us in and get us deeper and deeper and snare us and ensnare us into his trap. He comes along and he whispers in our ear and he suggests different things and he says that, hey, listen, you can do better. You can be better. But friends of mine, I want to let you know that he sets us up only to bring us down. He'll tell you it's all about you. It's your time. Rebel against your parents and rebel against authority and rebel against God. This boy has squandered everything that his father had given him. All the wealth, squandered, gone. He spent it all and had nothing to show for it. Isaiah chapter 55 says something. Verse 2, why spend money for what is not bread? Labor for what doesn't satisfy. 
Oh, Mark says it even better when it says, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his very soul? So this young man, I love it how we say it in our ethnic family, he wilded out. Recession hit, and moreover, depression came in. I mean, depression came in. This occurred in the city, and as Jesus tells the story of this boy, he says that the prodigal became in need. See, the first thing that happened is that we lose our money. All the things that we had cherished and, and had put all of our confidence in. He couldn't get a good paying job. And the second thing that happened is then he lost his friends. And we should have understood that that's the case because our friends were only fair weather friends if they only supported us when we had our money. And now we see this boy in a hog pen. Here he has a, here he was the son of a wealthy man. Because of his own lust and because of his own greed, he wandered away from home and now he was he has a job feeding pigs. And I want to say it, and I said this before, as a parent, it is hard to see our children crash. But this boy, this young man, he was humbled. He was broken. The Bible says that in his humble and broken condition, he came to himself. Why is it that all of the things happen and take place around us and that it seems like God doesn't do anything or not allowing anything to happen? He has to allow us to be able to come to ourselves and to understand so that we can come to him and depend on him for everything. He comes to himself and he says in his mind, he begins to even rehearse in his mind, what am I going to say to my daddy when I go back? I'm going to tell him I'm sorry. I'm going to tell him that I'm wrong. I'm going to rise. I'm going to go to my father, my father. And he thought about that. Then he said, that, listen, my father is such a good man. He treats the servants good. He said, I'm going to go back. And I'm going to tell him, I said, hey, daddy, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your servants. I saw how you treat the, the servant over here and how you treated the servant over there. And if I can get that treat, it's going to be a, it's going to be a world of difference from what I'm experiencing right now. The young man is broken. He's broken. This is a church that wants to let you know that broken lives matter and that uh, God heals brokenness. And the young man is broken and there's no trace of arrogance. There's no trace of pride. See, when we're broken, there's no trace of pride. The young man is broken and he's not trying to justify what he did when we're broken, when we know we're not right. We're not trying to defend ourselves anymore. We're not trying to do the cover-up anymore. The young man is broken, and he realizes, I've sinned. The young man seeks mercy and he forgiveness from his father. The psalmist says it this way in Psalms chapter 51, verse 17. Sacrifices that are acceptable to God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Now I only got 30 seconds. And in these last 30 seconds, I want to share with you. As a child, about nine, or perhaps maybe even 10 years of age, I would often play sports with my friends from the neighborhood, not far from my house. In fact, I was always in viewing area where I could be seen by my mother from the living room window that faced the street where we lived. During the summer months, 
my friends and I would play all day. Trump talking about Pastor Al got a lot of energy. Oh, wait, we would play all day for real. <laughs> we come home for lunch, return to play. Come home for dinner, return and play. My friends and I remained outside until sunset. At sunset, the street lights came on. Then we would hurriedly return to our separate homes. Even at 10 years of age, we would get carried away. Carried away trying to compete, com uh, complete a game or sport that we had just, that we had started or we were in the midst of. And right in the midst of that game, sometimes we would get so engulfed in that thing that the street lights would come on. When the street lights came on, it was time to go home. But we wanted to finish our game. So we would continue on, get another score, continue the game, keep it going. After a while, mother would appear. And she appeared on the front steps and would announce, it's time to come home. When you get back home, what kind of reception do you think you're going to get? You've broken the rules. You've gone further than you were supposed to go. You've done more than you were supposed to do. You stayed longer than you were supposed to stay. What kind of reception do you think you're going to receive when you return home? The prodigal arose In order to go forward, he had to leave the pig pen. That's why the preacher gives an invitation and he says, it's time to come home. It's time to return to Jesus. It's an opportunity to take the step of repentance before God. He didn't know what kind of reception he was going to get. So he staggered in on his own, with his own filthy clothes on his back, and he made his way back home. Scripture says that when he was a great way off, his father, who had always come to that veranda, the front of that porch, and would just look out that maybe one day my boy would come home. And he looks out. And the young man, and this child now, this young man now, he's disheveled. The world has gotten the best of him, but yet he can still see, to some degree, the image of his young man, of his boy. He didn't know. Authority figures in that culture, they would never run. Certainly not reach out to someone who was younger. In fact, an authority figure like his father would stand ramrod straight and would wait until his son would come before him. But that's not how the story goes. That's the culture, but that's not how the story goes. What the story says is that the father saw him from a great way off. And the old fella 
went into a sprint and he began to race toward his child and as he charged him I can imagine he almost knocked him over and he gave him the biggest hug that he could ever give him and as his son with his eye with his tears that are flowing down his face and cheek trying his best to get out the words and say I'm sorry and I don't his father literally interrupts him and says to him my son my son who was once lost is now found he is home it's interesting it's interesting it's interesting because then the bible tells us this other interesting information it says that there's a there's a party that is thrown and there's a banquet that is held and 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 that uh, the father says hey bring out the ring and bring out the robe what it means is and this is what it means to you and what it means to me it meant that he still had status the boy came with the idea that if i could just be a servant what kind of response am I going to get when I come back home? The boy thought that, hey, if I could just be a servant. But the father had brought him back to the status of a son. He says that, hey, he's home. Give him his robe that he's a pre his priestly robe. We talked about it at the Sabbath school lesson again today. Give him his royal robe. My son is home. The father grabbed and put his arms around him, the finest garments around him. The father loved his son. God's in the saving business. You're broken? God's in the saving business. Your life's a mess? God's in the saving business. Jesus came for you and he came to transform you. You know, military geniuses. I shared with you one thing about me. I love the West and the other thing I used to like, those little war stories, <laughs> you know, the war history. So, 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 so I read a little bit one time and military geniuses, especially the ones who wanted to bring people together when they're asked the question the rebels the ones that left the antagonists the ones that didn't support us how are we going to treat them how are we going to relate to them and you know the, the, the good ones you know how they respond you know what their answer is we're going to treat them as if they never left we're going to treat them as if they never did anything wrong Oh, my friends, think about it. Those are human instruments, human people who can oftentimes hold grudges and hold feelings. I want you to know we serve a God. He doesn't hold a grudge. In fact, he is so excited, so happy, so thrilled that you've come home that when he sends the announcement to heaven, the Bible says in Luke chapter 15 and verse 7, heaven throws a party. All heaven rejoices. And it was just one. Can you imagine when you take the hand right now, those of you that are right there in your homes, as you take the hand of your loved one, your spouse, your children, and you bring your family with him. Can you imagine? There's a jubilation in heaven. You've come. You've brought your family member to come. 
You brought your loved one to come. You brought your children to come. You brought your spouse. Heaven rejoices. Oh, I can only imagine just like it happens even at the church as the individuals go down the aisle and the, and, and the congregation begins to explode. Can you imagine that if there's terrestrial explosion, what kind of explosion is taking place in heaven? There's a celestial explosion. Heaven rejoices. The great controversy. Yes, it's going on. God, Jesus has done all that needs to be done. He's died on the cross. He's shown us the way. But he's allowing time to go on just a little while longer. I'm so glad he did. Because in 1972, he allowed time to go on just a little longer. And the Lampkin family were brought to the family of God. I'm thankful for it. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. I know some of us, we can't wait until this world uh, comes to an end. But there's a God, like the prodigal, like the father of the prodigal son. He's still waiting. And he's going out to that veranda. And he's just hoping. And he's praying. Maybe this might be the Sabbath that he comes home. Maybe this might be the day that she comes home. Maybe this might be the time that he comes home. She comes home. Heaven is waiting to rejoice. He's, he's already announced to those angels, hold back those winds. There's somebody else that needs, it's time for someone else to come home. It's time for you to come home. Oh yeah, you're not in the sanctuary, but that's okay. You know what you can do? Right now we're going to put on the screen, let you know. You can contact us on our prayer line and we can pray for you. We've got a team of people that pray throughout this week. We praise God for that. But there are some of you, and you have uh, stated this in the past or uh, before. Some have asked the question, said, hey, listen, I've wandered far, and it's time for me to return home. And I, don't, I just don't know how. I want to let you know, as our preacher preaches powerfully each and every week, he has shared with you. And I just want to repeat what he has shared with you and remind you that what you can do, you can just contact us. Contact us at that prayer line. Let us know that, hey, listen, I'm interested in learning more about this God who's so amazing, who, this incredible God. I didn't understand before about the great controversy that's taking place, that the enemy is doing everything that he can to keep me out of the kingdom. But God has sent his son so he can let me into the kingdom. And I want to serve that God. Help me with Bible study so just contact us on that prayer line we'll let you know we'll set something up so that you can be uh, able to, to study God's word for yourself and know his will for your life we want to pray with you we want to study with you and then of course there are those of you that said that hey listen you know what I've done a little studying I've, I've, I've been I've, I've been investigating but I have not formally made that decision to go go all the way with the Lord and I want to unite with this fellowship you guys are preaching all over the world and you're doing a marvelous work because we constantly get your comments and we praise God for it I can only imagine that our pastor is constantly losing weight as he's constantly sharing the power of the Word of God with you but friends of mine all of that effort, all of that energy, now is up to you to make a choice. Choose God. Choose your Savior. Choose Him now. Just contact us. Let us know. And we'll be more than happy to contact you and let you know what you need to do in your journey for the Lord. I want to let you know it's made all the difference in my world. One of, one of the things people want to know, Lampkin, why are you so happy? Why not be happy? The God who has delivered me, saved me. He has something special for me, but he, it's not only for me, it's also for you. That's why we take the time out 
That's why we commit ourselves to this ministry and this work. I'm going to give a short word of prayer, but you contact us at this prayer line. You're interested in baptism. You're interested in Bible study. You just want prayer. Whatever your desire, whatever your interest is, we want to hook up and join you and share and support you in your walk with God. Join us, my friends. I want to let you know that you'll be the better for it. And it'll make all the difference in your life. Your change, your walk will be an example to your spouse. Your walk, your journey will be will perhaps be the inspiration that will turn your child's life around. That neighbor down the street, let him see the new you, what God is ready to do for you. Oh, a little earlier, the young people, those children, all oh, aren't they so precious? They're saying, God is in the business of doing miracles. I want to let you know, heaven rejoices because it's a miracle when someone leaves the clutches of the enemy and gives his or her his or her life to Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I'm bowing my head in prayer. I'm praying for your people, Lord, all over the airways. Internet, Zoom, YouTube, the various different platforms, Facebook. Lord, there are people, Lord, that you've drawn to this ministry because we have lifted you up. And your word is true. If you be lifted up, you will draw. So for the scores, the thousands of viewers that have been drawn because we've gotten out of the way and just allowed Jesus to be lifted up. We pray right now, Lord. They won't start with just finding a little study and just start with just kind of checking in every once in a while. But may they now make the decision that, hey, listen, you know what? Now, God, take me help me to help someone else to hear the good news of the gospel. Lord, some of us, we experience struggles. Struggles, Lord, that just seem to entangle us and keep us from turning to God. Lord, we pray that even now you'll break those shackles and you set the prisoner free. You're a good God. We love you. We cherish you. We thank you, Lord, for the leading of your, of your ministry in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsbachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.